Support for Veterans Corner on Veterans Corner Radio is made possible by M&M Printing and the Observer News of Ruskin. Hello and welcome to Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts, information for and about veterans. On this podcast, host Bill Hodges has as his guest Bobby Bradley, the Chief Operating Officer of the Honor Flight Network. Honor Flight is an amazing experience for all veterans, especially from, but not limited to, the World War II, Korean, and Vietnam War eras. In this podcast, you will learn how veterans can get a free trip to Washington, D.C. to visit all of the monuments to their service, as well as the ability to spend a wonderful day with their brother and sister veterans. You'll also learn how you can go along as a guardian to provide assistance to these aging warriors. Remember, for the veteran, there's no charge for this. They will build memories that are more precious than gold. Here now is Bill Hodges with Veterans Corner Radio on Veterans Corner Radio Podcasts. Welcome to Veterans Corner, a show dedicated to providing information to all those who have served our country's military and to their families. Now, here is your host, newspaper columnist, management trainer, and Air Force veteran, Bill Hodges. Hi, I am Bill Hodges, and this is Veterans Corner Radio. We've got a great guest today, but before we get started, as always, be sure to have a paper and pencil ready because you're going to want this written down. However, be sure also, if you're driving a car, you wait until you stop to start writing anything down. But you can always listen on the podcast and repeat it if you miss something. But my guest today is Bobby Bradley, Chief Operating Officer for the National Honor Flight. And there's a lot of different groups around the country that are under this umbrella. Bobby, how did Honor Flight get started? Well, Honor Flight started back in 2005. And it started with one man who was a physician's assistant. His name was Earl Morris, and he worked at the VA in Columbus, Ohio. And the World War II Memorial had just opened, and he had regularly seen the World War II veterans coming through his office for their checkups. And he asked them if they were going to be going to see their memorial. And they were like, yeah, we're going to go. It's going to be amazing. And he only saw them about every six months because they were coming in for checkups. So they came in later. and he said, did you get to go? And they said, no. And then they get to a year later. And now it's been a year past. These gentlemen are a year older. And he realized that not only was their physical health failing, they also didn't have the means necessarily to get there. So Earl was a pilot and he went out to his pilot's club and he said, hey guys, we've got to do something here. We need to be able to honor these men and women. And so he said, I need volunteers who want to help take these veterans to DC. The caveat is they pay for nothing. So this is all going to be on, on you. Um, he had six pilots, including himself that stepped up. They had their own small Cessnas. Wow. Um, and there were the first flight were six small Cessnas that traveled from Columbus, Ohio to Manassas, Virginia for the first honor flight. And each one carried two world war two veterans. And when he went back and he asked the first World War II veteran, if he wanted to go, instead of getting a, oh my gosh, yes, I'm so excited. 
he broke down in tears. Well, I'm about to cry right tell myself. I, I think it's a wonderful story. I know. And it was in that moment um, that Earl knew that this was going to be something special. And he talked to more World War II veterans and he was getting the same response. And as his story grew, they went from just the small Cessnas to commercial airlines. And then Jeff Miller got involved and he is the first one to charter planes with, uh, it was USA Air at the time. So he started chartering planes out of South Carolina and you know, that's how the network was born. And it was, it's been amazing. And now 17 years later, we've been able to honor over 250,000 veterans. At wow. Veterans. Well, the reason that I called and asked for this interview was that several of the people that I know here in my area just went with the Florida Midwestern chapter or whatever it is right here on around Tampa. And, and they came back, these World War II vets that went, and a couple of Korean War vets, and they came back, and I never saw such smiles. They were so happy. It's amazing to be able to take these men and women. And, you know, when you're talking World War II, Korea, and Vietnam, it's been 70, 60, or 50 years since they served. And being able to take them out there and share their memorials with them and give them a day of honor. It's not just visiting the memorials. It is truly a day of honor that we give them or a weekend or however it works. And just watching their faces light up through the day. And they're like, I didn't know that anybody cared about my service. And it's like, it is, so much, it is as important today as it was when they served. Without a doubt, I agree with you. And one of the things I'm wondering is, does this program stretch all across the country or is it mostly scheduled on the East Coast? Is it going to California and that area? It does. We actually have 130 hubs nationwide, including Alaska. Yes. Including Alaska? Including Alaska. Um, Alaska is really unique because theirs is a week-long trip instead of like on the East Coast or east of the Mississippi, most of the trips are a day trip. Okay. Um, there are a few that are a few more, a few more days, but most of them are a day trip. For anything west of the Mississippi, now you're working into two or three days just because of the travel time, uh, coming cross country and going home. So they might be three days. Alaska is a full seven day trip. And what is really unique and their logistical issue is many of these veterans are out in the bush. So they actually have bush pilots who bring them in to the oh. big city. Then they fly them from Anchorage to Seattle, Seattle to Washington. Then they spend their day of honor in Washington. And then it's the reverse trip home, Seattle and then Anchorage and then flying them home. So it is actually a full six to seven day trip for some of these veterans because they have so many logistical challenges that they have to overcome just to get these men and women in to where they can bring them then into D.C. on their trip. Now, I, I heard you mention the starting out, the caveat was that they the veteran wouldn't have to pay anything. Is that still true? That is still true to this day. So with our hubs, again, I mentioned there's 130 nationwide. Each hub has their own board. They find their own veterans. They raise their own funds. They are their own 501c3 organization. They find their own volunteers. No veteran is ever charged anything to go on an honor flight. They paid for this trip with the service to their country. So that is how we we honor them is by going out and funding these flights for them. If one wants to go on one of these flights, are there any 
precursors they have to go through in order to be able to do it. Let's say that uh, I'm I'm wheelchair bound or I just can't walk very far. What do you do with this kind of person? So when uh, a veteran is filling out an application, most of the hubs will have some questions about their mobility needs. This is not to disqualify them. This is to allow the hub to be prepared and serve them in the way that they need to be served. The hubs will have wheelchairs available. They will make sure that if they have special dietary needs, they're addressing those, just all the different things, any allergies or those kinds of things. All those kinds of questions that are on their applications or their medical forms when they've been invited on flight, those are just there to help serve that veteran in the best way possible. So it's never to disqualify them. It's always to better assist the hub and making sure they have the best experience that they can absolutely have. I've heard something about guardians. What is this guardian program? So guardians, when we're looking at World War II and um, now our Korean War veterans, a guardian is often there to assist with the physical needs. Many of them are up there in age, and you want to make sure that our number one priority is always our veterans' safety and comfort. So a guardian is there to make sure that we are aware of any potential hazards, that we're there to assist them, and we're eyes everywhere while they're enjoying their trip. When we move into our Vietnam veterans, oftentimes they'll tell us they don't need a guardian, but what we do is we want to make sure that they have a traveling companion, someone to share this experience with. And especially with our Vietnam veterans, there are oftentimes emotional things happening with them that they aren't even expecting. So having that person there who's just someone to listen or sit quietly with them while they're going through an emotional moment is really important. So whether it's a physical need, an ear to lend, or just someone to share in the day and experience the whole adventure with, it's really important to have that person there for them. How are the guardians funded for their trip? So guardians do pay their own expenses. Each hub will have listed on their application what that fee is. Of course, if you're nearer on that east of the Mississippi side, it's going to be a little bit less. Most of them tend to be around four to $600. Once you start moving uh, west of the Mississippi and you're going to have those overnight stays, those can start climbing up to $750 or $1,200, but they will have that information noted. And the one thing to let the guardians know is that is not a fee that you pay when you apply. So if you go out and you sign your veteran up and you see that it's a $1,200 fee, don't have a panic attack. There are many ways to cover that for the guardian. And that is, you can reach out to American Legions, DFWs, churches will often cover it. Family members will pull together and everybody chips in a little bit to make sure that there's someone there. And then there's the times we have families who are um, battling over who's going to get to go, which is always a really cool thing that uh-huh. everybody wants to go with that veteran. And they, they, they tussle it out and figure out who's going to go and who's going to get to celebrate at the homecoming when they come home. It'd be neat to have a son go. Absolutely. Or a daughter, for that matter. Yes. We often have sons and daughters and grandchildren that will travel with those veterans. You know, if people wanted to donate to this organization, I usually don't do an altar call for donations, but but this is, to me, one of the most worthwhile things. If people want to donate, how can they help, maybe help sponsor a guardian or be able to help the organization? So every hub does have the opportunity to donate, but they can also reach out to national. And with going to our uh, national website, honorflight.org, and that's honor, H-O-N-O-R, 
flight, F-L-I-G-H-T dot org. You can either donate to the national organization, which that would go into our hub assistance funds. And when there are hubs who are in need, we will disperse those funds out to the hubs. Or while you're on the national site, you can actually find a hub near you. And that pulls up as a map of the United States. You can find your local hub and there will be a link to the website where you can not only donate, but you should be able to find the applications for both your guardians and your veterans at that site, just simply by going to the national site. So a guardian actually can be anyone that wants to volunteer, correct? That are in physical health? It is. The, the biggest thing with a guardian is you just need to be physically able to assist that veteran throughout their entire trip. So whether it's a one-day trip, which can be a very long day, you're normally walking at least seven miles while you're in D.C. If it's a one-day trip, you might have an 18-hour day that you're looking at. So you just need to make sure you're physically able. Or if it's that two- or three-day trip that you may be looking at, again, you need to be able to see that that veteran's needs and assist them, whether it's in the evening or morning with their general routine and all those different kinds of things, too. So no one should say, well, I'm not physically capable of walking, so I can't go. There would be wheelchair assistance, and that's one of the reasons that the guardian is there to help. Absolutely. And um, again, they're going to provide those wheelchairs. I know when I was a hub director and I still work with our Lone Eagle program, which I can share about that in a minute. What we say is when you come to the airport, go ahead and send your gear home. Because at your airport, you're going to have a a wheelchair that's going to get you to your plane. And then we're going to provide everything you need once you hit D.C. or the hotel or whatever it is, depending on what type of trip you're on. Now, you said you were going to explain something else. Yes. So we have 130 hubs nationwide. And again, you can go to honorflight.org, H-O-N-O-R-F-L-I-G-H-T.org, and find those hubs near you. But if you have a veteran who lives in an area where there's not a hub, then we will actually serve that veteran through our Lone Eagle program. And the way Lone Eagle works is it's a three-day trip, summer on the weekend, summer during the week. It just depends on you know, what we, we schedule for the year. Those dates are out there under our Lone Eagle Honor Flight. They apply. And we actually, they're Lone Eagles because they're coming in on commercial flights from all oh. over the nation. So I had three flights already this year. And my first two, I had veterans from Colorado and Nebraska, Montana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Missouri. So when there is not a hub near you, we still have that ability to serve those veterans. And that's another thing. If someone's doing a donation, they can actually ask for it to go to a certain place. So it can go to general funds, which might be hub assistance, or if they want it to go specifically to that Lone Eagle program to fund those veterans who don't have a hub near them, they can actually request that too. So we make sure every veteran has the opportunity to go on an honor flight. My guest today is Bobby Bradley, Chief Operating Officer for the National Honor Flight. And you've done a great job. And and surely there's a question I haven't asked that you want. And I know I'd I'd like to ask you, how do they choose it? I mean, there's all kinds of things, but I'm going to run out of time. What is it that you think is the most important thing maybe that I haven't asked you? The biggest question we get is how quickly can we get them there? So I'm going to tell you it's first apply, first fly. Get that veteran application in ASAP so that they can be on the waiting list. Even if a veteran's not sure, get their name on the waiting list. If they get a call a year and a half or two years from now, 
they can always say no, but still get that application in and then they have the opportunity to say no. But I will tell you in all the years I've been doing this, once we actually make the call, I don't think we've ever had a veteran say, I don't want to go. They get that call. <laughs> now they've been on that waiting list for a year and a half. They've had the opportunity to think about it. They may have researched it and they're very excited to go when they get that call. Well, I'm looking forward to doing this myself one day. I watched them build all these monuments in Washington. Well, not all of them because some of them predate me, but the fact is it's been a wonderful experience talking with you. I thank you for being on the program. I hope you'll come back. They'll do another show on this, I'm sure, somewhere down the line. Oh, thank you so much for having me and letting me share this information. It is always an honor. And maybe if we get to talk again, I can share a few of the cool stories that we've had over the years. Just the interactions that we have with our veterans is just amazing. And being able to share some of that would be, uh, oh, my gosh, that could be hours of talk. <laughs> well, the girls and guys that have come back from the trip locally have just done a wonderful job here in Florida. We're in the Tampa area, and that hub has just been special. I'm Bill Hodges. This has been Veterans Corner Radio. You're unique, you're special, and you're great. Tell yourself so often because you are, you know. And we'll catch you again very soon on Veterans Corner Radio. You've been listening to Veterans Corner with your host, Air Force veteran Bill Hodges. The views expressed on this program are those of Bill and his guests and are opinions based on the best available information. In matters of law or governmental regulation, it will always be best to check with the appropriate agency. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us for the next Veterans Corner. Before we go, here's a quick final thought. Why not take a minute to follow or mark Veterans Corner radio podcasts as a favorite? It's easy, and you'll be among the first to be notified when new episodes of the podcast are released. And thanks for listening to Veterans Corner radio podcasts.